0: And we're back on Consumer Choice Radio. Another week, another program. I'm one half of your host, D. I. Osowski, checking in from the home studio. And we're joined by my colleague, David Clement. We're uh, over here on the radio. We're out there on your podcast players, ConsumerChoiceRadio.com, both on Saga 960 AM and on the Big Talker Network. David, you've had a busy week. You got a lot of stuff going on, but I, I hope you're uh, keeping warm here as the temperature goes down and the thermostat goes up
1: yes yep yeah keeping warm you know uh it is officially fall weather um which is i don't know good or bad i'm not sure i'm not sure it's not winter yet
0: all right so you got that nice winter weather that uh, hasn't yet kicked in but uh, you're getting used to it uh, but i'll tell you where it's gonna start getting chilly And uh, that is the European continent. Uh, There's been a lot of stuff that's been going on with the, not only the the war in Ukraine uh, launched by Russia, but uh, also the energy wars. We've had uh, the downing of two separate pipelines, uh, multiple explosions that took place this week, uh, sort of a blame game. We don't really know exactly what happened Apart from a couple of explosions, perhaps charges, we don't really know. There's a lot of speculation. Uh, there's a lot of finger pointing at Russia, there's finger pointing at the U.S. Um, who knows? It might have been Canada with its superior submarines, David. I don't know, but <laughs> it. I actually don't think we have a single. I don't think we have a single submarine. All right, let's check this real quick. Uh, we'll do on the fly. Yeah. Uh, some some research. So some Canadian submarines. I would ask my uncle. Who uh, was in the Coast Guard? Um, Canadian Navy, this is a story from 2021. Okay.
1: We have four. (laughs) Oh, there you go. We have four submarines.
0: There you go. There you go. (laughs) Dave, you're a bit modulated, so you might have to turn down your uh, mic volume. Uh, But for the first time in seven years, the Canadian Navy expects to have at least three of its four submarines operating simultaneously by the end of 2021. The achievement would mark the realization of a plan that was scuttled last year by faulty maintenance work and the pandemic.
1: Yeah, huh. I mean, I don't really know much about what our military has or doesn't have. Uh, but I do know that in the pre- procurement process, if I felt like I would see the same headline about Navy ships for like a decade. It's like they committed to buy them and build them and then... It, like, lasted, like, two full governments. It was so strange. I a, it's crazy how long like, this yeah, stuff it's like takes.
0: Yeah, like the uh, F-35, pretty much that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, crazy. But, um, but yeah, what's uh, what's on the docket today, Yaya? I mean, there's a lot to talk about. Um, the Cannabis Act is under review. Uh, you and I have talked a lot about uh, that over the years. Um maybe we might be able to finally get some changes, um, to, uh, to the Cannabis Act to make it more consumer friendly.
0: Um, but yeah, I don't know. So that, yeah, this is a uh, very relevant because there are uh, plenty of discussions about, um, cannabis, its impact legalization efforts, medicinal legalization efforts in some places. And I was just mentioning you, I was on a a call before listening to some sheriffs discuss some of the issues in the U.S. states where it is legal. Okay, and uh, there's a good number of issues that have um, been presented. I mean, mostly related to um, illegal grows, which um, be interested to learn more about Canadian stuff. Illegal grows, uh, essentially the the taxes being so high, particularly in the state of California. The estimate now. This is a new estimate I heard uh, tonight. Um, The legal market versus illegal market. Uh, I mean, I'm sure we've heard of the numbers before. Do you know what the updated number is of of the amount of cannabis purchases made in the legal market?
1: In California or in Canada?
0: California. Don't look it up. Just guess.
1: Uh, Oh, 70-30 illegal legal.
0: It is 20% legal, 80% illegal.
1: Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, they've bungled that up so bad. Uh, So bad. The Canadian numbers are not that bad. It's about 59% legal, 41% illegal. Um, There's always going to be some lingering illicit activity, but both of those figures are pretty depressing considering how long it's been. Um, it should be easier for the legal market to compete with the black market and crowd out, uh, and crowd out the the illegal market. But it just hasn't happened. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why taxes are too high. The excise tax, in particular, uh, the legal market can't really market and, and brand itself to adult consumers, and obviously it needs to be able to do that to get those folks who are buying it illegally Um, there's questions about availability we didn't launch edibles and uh, edibles and beverages for a full year after legalization there's just a whole slew of uh, of issues uh, that just never like i i felt like for a long time Everyone knew they existed but nobody wanted to get off their hands and do anything about it. Uh, So I'm hopeful that maybe this is going to be the start of some of those conversations. Um, Our friend of the show Nathaniel Erskine-Smith, the Liberal MP for Beaches East York, uh, is on the committee reviewing this and he is certainly one of the good ones. Uh, So that gives me some hope. That gives me some hope that we may have some changes, but uh, I don't know. I don't know.
0: It really just does not sound like there's a lot of, obviously there's a lot of data. Uh, there's some new data, old data, uh, things that are you know at least able to share that information and people are able to learn. There's really not any response to that from people who might be in charge. And I think that is the most concerning part of all of this is that all of these issues were very predictable. Um, in fact, David, there are many things under your byline um, that you've written about I wrote about in Quebec that pretty much laid out exactly what could go wrong, and boy did it. And there's so many improvements to make. it's a question again about I mean, I heard this today listening to the the House of Commons in uh, our dear uh, Canadian constitutional monarchy, and it's this scenario whereby there are these concoctions and this theatrical framework in playing, and you see it in the British as well. You see this this kind of theater where these issues are brought up, and it's you know they're they're trying to needle a politician or a minister for what they said on this particular thing, and it's you know there's never really a good examination of policy. And maybe no, hey, can you just admit you're wrong and let's include new information and let's work forward to do it? It's you know it's Mr. Speaker, rah, 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 you know this kind of stuff.
1: Well, yeah, and we see it on both sides. But the one that really grinds my gears these days is Mark Gerritsen, the MP for Kingston. He just keeps rambling on about Pierre Polyev and Bitcoin.
0: Putin is bad, very, very, very bad, but he's still better than the guy who brings every conversation around to Bitcoin.
1: That's Mark Gerritsen every time. He's like, oh, well, Pierre said this is about Bitcoin and Bitcoin, the price of Bitcoin. It's like, dude, nobody can...
0: My what? theory is that he had like a nephew who told him to buy, and he bought uh, November at the absolute peak. top, 69,000. <laughs> and he is so peeved off. He's got no, uh, he can't say that, you know, he is hurting and he's in the bear market. So he can just take all of his energy <laughs> and point it right at PP. <laughs> and uh, that, that's sort of a way that he can, he can, he can have a little bit of that self hate uh, thrown somewhere else.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just so strange. It's so strange, and like, I mean, the election is a long way away. No one's going to care. Like zero well, people, people are going to care.
0: People might care, and again, I, I, I'm a bit of a fanboy here, but people might care if, um, you know, things start to tick back up. Things aren't looking too good for. Uh Government currencies these days I shared that uh oh that well that's that's true where you have this yeah. diversion you know you have the euros you have the the British pound uh which ain't doing yeah. too good at the moment i mean there's all yeah. kinds yeah. of stuff out there it's we're in a macro recession that we've never seen before
1: yeah, the you British know, pound just took an absolute beating, and it was so funny seeing people. Americans tweet being like, oh, a little further to go, and then it's going to be called soccer.
0: where <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it already is, yeah. Well, with the, with the British pound, I mean, that, there's a lot of trade that goes through London, a lot of financial trade as well, so it will impact a lot. And the Brits themselves have not been, to, been doing too good, and I've, I've got a bit of a bone to pick with this one because there's a lot of shade that's thrown at uh, everything that's happening with Liz Truss who, you know, we like a lot of her policies from a consumer choice perspective. I think we've been on the record uh, when it comes to that. But she's been there like 18 days, guys. There's no way that you can maneuver a bureaucracy and have a whim policy change in that time. You can say it's about, you know, whatever the market thinks, sentiment. But everything that she's discussed, and I looked it up, you know there's only been one law that has achieved royal assent since she's been there and that w- w- the debate started on that back in july so there's that you okay you could say well the direct action she's taken as prime minister through the exit there really hasn't been much there's been a lot of discussions there's the budget that they've kind of put forward for debate but i think if we look at what the financial times and the british press are saying you know, there's a huge crisis when it comes to just pensions, when it comes to people making bad bets. And this is just kind of what happens. It's not necessarily because, I don't know, I think it's it's a w- much too simple. And I would give the same to Joe Biden. You know, just because Joe Biden comes in, everything crashes, does not mean that is a Biden full pas day one. Yeah, it didn't mean that Uncle Joe here. did
1: it. Yeah. And then, I mean, that's a weird thing about politics is, you'll there's no accommodate like there's a leg here on a lot of it i mean she hasn't been prime minister enough for anything to have had any impact so it 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 would appear that a lot of this is was already baked in and it's just coming to a head now and i mean she's going to take the heat for it um i mean generally speaking i do th- i do like some of the policies that she's putting forward um, and to be honest if if let's say this is the trend i mean the polls came out on like the labor versus conservative split and it's like labor plus 25 or something crazy but if like that's what's going to hold legislate like you know you're not going to win um yeah and, go all and in and yeah go all in and do so in a way that makes it very difficult to unravel um that's, a, that's a, a playbook from former Estonian Mar, uh, Prime Minister uh, Mart Lahr, who did that with the flat tax. He brought in the flat tax. His, uh, his, count, his uh, advisors were like, oh, you're going to get slaughtered on this. You know you're going to lose. Uh, and he said, ah, you know what, whatever. I might lose, but once we do this, they'll, they'll never take it away. Um, we'll never go back and instead of did like lose. dance
0: like nobody's watching you should govern like you're gonna lose <laughs>
1: yeah yeah and he did that i i only know this because i had a conversation with them once about it and they did that and it never they, the flat tax remained and if i remember correctly he ended up becoming the prime minister again a few years later um so it wasn't completely all for nothing politically um, but yeah, if you're going to go down and the sink is ship, the, the ship is sinking, well then do so in a way that's going to have the lasting impact that you want. Um, and so keep going. Let's yeah, trust. but
0: still, <laughs> yeah, still it's just, come on. It's been a couple of days. We're still, uh, we're still sad from the queen passing. You know, a lot of people are still thinking about that and, you know, you got all this Ukraine stuff and. There is uh, there's, there is a lot that will be done and shall be done. And, uh, you know, look around at every other country. They're not doing too good either. And uh, I'll tell you what, my retirement account ain't doing too good either. It <laughs> has no. been like that for a long time. So we'll be uh, right back with some more here on Consumer Choice Radio. David's got a nice little interview. He'll tee up for us uh, for the third block. But in the meantime, stay tuned. You're listening to Consumer Choice Radio. We'll be right back after this tune. Back to Consumer Choice Radio. Hit a lot of topics in our last segment. My colleague Dave Clement talked a little bit about changes to the um, Cannabis Act. Wrote an article this week. He did in the Financial Post all about it. Um, I know there's going to be. Is there going to be any additional hearings, David? Is there going to be some some testimony? What's the kind of timeline here? Because it'd be great to have a little bit of democracy uh, thrust into this.
1: I I think it's still too early to know what the actual process is. Like, are they actually going to have a formal process where you can submit comments where you can testify, where they invite experts. Uh, The Senate had done that before I testified in front of the Canadian Senate on, to be honest, on a lot of these things, this was in 2019, I think 2019 or 2018. Um, So, Yeah, I mean, I hope so. I hope that they bring people in and actually have those conversations rather than just keep the horse blinders on. It's a strange world Uh, out there.
0: Yeah, probably the the horse blinders are going to stay, David. And I've got a perfect clip for you. Speaking of horse blinders, um, I'm not sure you're going to be ready for this one, though.
1: The United States shares a very important relationship, which is an alliance with the Republic of North Korea.
0: You like that? (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, whoops
0: you probably had seen that making the rounds um
1: no I, I did yeah like just gaff central over there in the biden administration i mean the only it seems like the only person who's not like ripe for gaffes is pete oh
0: well, pete i got a Buttigieg. story about that
1: oh am i wrong
0: Correct. all right me. so <laughs> the clip that was played is um vice president United States Vice President Kamala Harris, who is visiting the uh, demilitarized zone between North and South Korea. And uh, while she's there with a big helicopter and aviators on, she uh, she says the United States shares a very important relationship, which is an alliance with the Republic of North Korea. (laughs) That is, in fact, (laughs) wrong. Um, It's South Korea, which they prefer to be called Korea, but that's fine. Um, So you mentioned Mayor Pete. So it's interesting, Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg, uh, former mayor of, uh, it was, wasn't Cedar Rapids, Iowa. What was his town? Pete uh,
1: Buttigieg. Oh. uh, Grand Bend.
0: Grand Bend? Indiana. Oh, my goodness. It, 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 South, Bend, South Bend. South Bend. Uh, South, Bend. Uh, South Bend. So f- Grand
1: Bend is in Ontario. <laughs> Whoops.
0: <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, I so made my own little South Kamala Bend Harris. Mayor. Yeah, a little bit. Um, And he was a mayor and then ran for the Democratic nomination for president. Got pretty far. Um, I think he won the Iowa caucus.
1: I believe Um, he did. He won a state. So that's pretty legit.
0: Yeah, pretty legit for a small town mayor. And, you know, stayed in the campaign a good amount and then ended up being the secretary of transportation. Um, Let me tell you something about uh, Mayor Pete. He's got some stands out there on the Internet. He's got some fans who will not let go who have hashtag Team Pete in their bio, and the second you put Mayor Pete in there, they're going to be all over you, which is the mistake that I made this week.
1: What, what happened?
0: So this was in reference to the Jones Act, which is the Merchant Marine Act of 1920 in the United States. This is the law that uh, forbids any foreign flag shipped ship to uh, make any commerce between two U.S. ports. Uh, it was a, a sort of protectionist clause put in at the end of the First World War. Uh, today it is supported hugely by the shipbuilders union people and the Democratic Party. And we had this devastating hurricane, not the one that, uh, not Hurricane Ian that's going through Florida and the Carolinas, uh, but one that hit Puerto Rico last week. Um, basically you had this huge ship full of diesel fuel that was wading off the shore but I believe it had come, it might have been from Mexico or another country. And because it had another planned stop outside of the United States, they could not stop in Puerto Rico without a formal waiver of this law by the U.S. government. Now, we put out press releases on it. You know, there's, uh, We've talked to Colin Grabow of Cato Institute on this program. Um, which we'll link to in the show notes all about the jones act um, that was last year talked about how it does make make you poor makes all of us poor and i had uh, just kind of put out some comments out there be like hey look you know there there are people in the government who could flip the switch and issue the waiver or basically make it so it can't be enforced at all and we could help the people of puerto rico and i had mentioned mayor pete secretary of, of transportation He's got the sort of marine uh, department underneath his, uh, in in his department, he's got, it's kind of like the, uh, uh, I think it's called the Maritime Examiner. So this person is supposed to make the formal recommendation to the Secretary of Homeland Defense, Homeland Security, whatever it's called. And that person, that secretary, Mayorkas, he is supposed to issue the official waiver after consulting with the president. So then I just put out there, hey, you know, Mayor Pete, you know, has an its power. He can talk to his people. We can get a formal recommendation, get that Jones waiver. Boy, did the people come after me. He does not have the power to do that. It's not Mayor Pete. Look at all these people lying about Mayor Pete. These Republicans. <laughs> it was like a thread of 30 people jumping on, being like, oh, Mayor Pete is the best, and these Republicans keep lying. And it went on and on and on. I eventually just deleted the tweet because I just had a bunch of undesirables in my feed.
1: Nice. I mean, it sounds similar to when I tweet about Pierre Polyev and Trudeau and I get all the true-anon people going after me. Like, I'll I'll make... It's not even like a, a partisan take or even... Like, my own preference isn't even there. I'm just analyzing the fact that while the Trudeau liberals talk about all sorts of policies, whether they're important or not, is is irrelevant. They just don't have much resonance with voters. Meanwhile, Pierre is constantly talking about the cost of living, he's talking about inflation, how it impacts people, he's talking about housing, like kitchen table issues. And so I tweeted, like, the liberals are going to have to shake things up if they want to compete with this, because... The, Pierre's message resonates, and I don't think what the liberals are selling does so much anymore. Um, and very quickly, the tweet went, I don't know, I, I guess you could call it viral. It's like 50,000 reach viral. I don't know. Geez, David, does.
0: is this just the show where you talk about how good you are? You've been doing it all show, bro.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just great. It's just, yeah, I'm, I'm just pumping my own tires for a whole episode. Um yeah, I mean it's nuts. These people are like the the mega crowd in the U.S. where Trudeau can't do anything wrong. Everything he does is right, and for the right reasons. And it's like, guys, it's this an unhealthy level of idol worship here? Like, it just gets uncomfortable. So it sounds like you're dealing with the same with uh, with Mayor Pete and the Team yeah, Pete the hashtag. Pete, yeah, the Pete bots.
0: Yeah, Pete bots. Uh, Mayor Pete bots. Whatever we call them. Uh, There's a lot of people who who cling to that. Hey, it's cool, you know? We all have our identities, you know, whatever they might be, however fluid they might be. You guys are free to have your uh, identities. Um, But there's... (laughs) uh, Yeah, I mean, the hurricane stuff that's happening, um, it's just crazy, because, you know, this um, hurricane that did hit Puerto Rico is the same that did hit Atlantic Canada. And now we do have this hurricane uh, that's... Gone through Florida, um, gonna hit the Carolinas this week, about to strike South Carolina. Uh, so it's, we're back in the hurricane news. Um, There's an article by Beyond Lumborg, by the way, in Inside Sources, about hurricanes and climate change, because uh, we have heard a couple of uh, interviews that people have done on CNN and such, where they're, they're asking the meteorologist about climate change and stuff, and there are a couple of them that I just had to say, like, well, you can't specifically point to a hurricane and say it's caused you know there's a number of factors and might make things more likely and uh what's his name there the uh, don lemon on uh, cnn so it was just like but but it's because of this right it's because of climate change because of the crisis Kind of yeah, and that didn't,
1: line. He say, didn't he say something like, well, I grew up there, and it's worse now than it, is. It's worse but, but, now than it was then. Which it's is like,
0: objectively wrong, because there there have been fewer hurricanes, uh, specifically in the last 10 years, um, than any time well, before that. But it's fine. And, We're not there to debate the weather or or, or climate, but, you know... Well, the, the worst,
1: the most egregious one is when people say, oh... Hurricanes are becoming more disastrous and they use the dollar value of the damage as proof. And it's like, dude, nobody lived in that area 60 years ago. People didn't have stuff.
0: Nobody built a condo building there.
1: Yeah. Um, Just so silly. Um, Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, it kind of feels like, not that, the climate discussion isn't important. And this kind of goes back to my comment about Trudeau and the liberals. You're voting to raise the carbon tax? Okay. That's a hard pill for people to swallow in like a cost-of-living crisis. And it almost feels like some of this stuff maybe needs to take a backseat. Just while we get our feet under us. Let's, uh, let's right the ship and stop it from sinking. Um, before we double down on all of these climate measures, which obviously have costs and externalities and spillover effects it 's i 'd love to see someone who is like in favor of all of those things be like, "You know what let 's put let 's give it a year let 's like pause this for a year and just figure it out
0: yeah, not going to happen um, I tell you what will happen, probably some very similar to what happened uh, here in Austria. so We have a climate, a carbon tax, which actually goes into effect, uh, if you're listening on on Saturday here on on Saga and on Big Talker, on the 1st of October, today. And what this means is that there will be a price put on carbon and uh, electricity bills will go up even more than they're going up now. And as a major countermeasure, uh, the government sent everyone in the country, doesn't matter if you're an asylum seeker, for a uh, French-Canadian-slash-American radio host. (laughs) Everybody got 500 euros. Every child gets 250 euros. And that is the anti-inflation measure. I know they've actually talked about... I forget what the amount was. Was it around 500 bucks they're talking about to send to Canadians as well? It was a bit less than that. I
1: I think so. It's means-tested, I think. So it's not blanketed to everybody. I think if you make over a certain income, it changes. But, um, I mean... I understand some of those proposals but they're inflationary policies like it creates a spiral right you you have yep. you you have limited supply of x or an increase in um in in the supply of money and and demand and you're going to continue to fuel demand without touching supply of whatever we're talking about um that's only going to make it worse uh, I mean, I'm sure it's appreciated it's make it by a lot citizens worse. to have to have some extra cash. But I mean, what if people like? I mean, it'd be interesting to see like where are people spending their 500 euros? Putin is bad, very, very, very
0: bad. But he's still better than the guy who brings every conversation around to Bitcoin. I'll tell you where David They're
1: buying Bitcoin. They're <laughs> buying Bitcoin. <laughs>
0: Uh, it's definitely my friend group but but yeah you can see, you will see consumer prices go up even more um the problem is is when you don't have like you said supply also production if we don't have equal production to match all those new dollars all that new money well then everything just gets pushed up and we're just going to make everything worse and you know this could lead to other crises we see the pension crisis blowing up in the UK i mean Canada's pensions aren't looking too good America's pensions aren't looking too good I'm a bit afraid of the pension stuff, by the way, because every province has its own pension plan. Uh, we're not every. Yeah, it's every province, right? Or is Quebec special?
1: Uh, no, Quebec is special. So, okay. So Quebec is CPP. special.
0: It'll blow up. It'll blow up. Yeah. Uh, California's pensions, uh, which are not just California state, but you have them in every county um, all throughout the U.S. Yeah, the municipal like pension stuff, the
1: public sector pensions.
0: Yeah, these things the, are going to up. The, well the public
1: sector up. pensions, well, I mean, and the reason why is they're defined benefit pensions. So yeah. how much you get when you retire is based on like years of service rather than what you contributed. So I think at one point the Detroit Police Service, their payroll, including pensions, was more for people who weren't working than it was for people who were. So completely unsustainable. They go bust. They can't meet their liabilities. The taxpayers bail them out. Bail them out. And it's a disaster.
0: Indeed, David. And uh, our interview next is with whom?
1: It is with Professor Falou from the University of Montreal talking about alcohol. Back on Consumer Choice uh, Radio, coming to you on Saga 960 and the Big Talker Network. Uh, I'm very excited for our next guest. Uh, he is now a, a first time guest uh, on Consumer Choice Radio, uh, Professor Jean Sebastian Fallou. Thank you very much for joining us on Consumer Choice Radio.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: So, my colleague Yael and I have talked about the CCSA's report um, in brief summary for listeners who maybe aren't caught up. Essentially, the, the Center for Substance Use and Addiction released a new report on alcohol and one of the big conclusions was, if you drink more than two alcoholic beverages per week, you could be in trouble um you're the expert you're the professional in terms of this realm of of analysis and academia what is your take on the ccsa's report and its findings
2: well there's a lot of uh different angles uh, (laughs) to 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 discuss um i would say first that um uh, this uh this uh, enterprise is uh, something that's uh, I, I would say important to do review the literature, see what's uh, if there's new uh, uh, knowledge uh, and and so on um, And in that sense I mean the expert committee of the uh, CCSA applied some you know renowned methods but um, there's a lot of buts uh, mm-hmm. they, when you do research, there's a lot of met- methodolo- methodological choices, um, and they they made a lot of uh, methodological choices that are considered statistically spek- speaking as uh, very liberal in 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 okay. that sense that this exaggerates uh, the link uh, between alcohol and uh, uh, well. Uh, Seeing your life uh, shorten, you know that's yeah. that's what uh, that's what they do, uh, and 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 first, I, I want to remind us that this is these are associations, you know. It, it's, it's it's I don't want to undermine all the literature scientific studies, but it's, of we you need to be cautious. Uh, we're not sure uh, of any, you know, uh, consequences are really consequences for from alcohol drinking. Uh, and 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 just as an example uh the link between alcohol and violence uh we know that link exists mm-hmm. and, and probably some is caused by alcohol but we also know some people use alcohol in order to have the courage you know to uh fight or anything so it's just Correct. it's it's uh, basically the 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 data is a little bit exaggerated Another take is uh, it only taps um, uh, negative consequences of alcohol. Uh, Mm -hmm. We know alcohol is related to pleasure, uh, socialization. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are even some benefits, even on mental health, but this is not at all taken into account. So so that's a a problem.
1: It, it almost feels like a lack of a true cost-benefit analysis. They just did a full cost analysis of yeah, the f- exactly. cost, yeah. the, the potential health cost, and just kind of turned away from those those positive aspects. I, I mean, it felt to me, it's it's not a prohibitionist report, but it felt, it felt close. It felt close. Yeah, um, yeah. that's which, a
2: huge uh, concern
1: yeah and uh, i i guess here's another follow-up question for you just on i mean of course it's important for us to review the consequences of how substances legal or otherwise impact human health i mean that's important for understanding it's important for public health it ultimately uh, guides public policy But I have a question for you of whether or not this is maybe just my observation in terms of it being strange or if it's a common occurrence. So we have the CCSA, they do work on, on substance use. They have a clear mission in terms of like discouraging use across all categories. They're funded by the government and yet turning around and essentially lobbying or advising the government um to act on on their suggestions and uh Dr Sylvain Chaubois who who we've had on the show he kind of described it as if you asked PETA the people for ethical treatment of animals to give a report on beef consumption well we know what their conclusion would be it would be stop eating yeah. it or eat so significantly less of it do you feel that there's some sort of strange relationship there where the government's spending money to essentially end up lobbying itself
2: um yes uh, especially in a context where the government uh advertises for alcohol on the other hand <laughs> yes uh, i mean i mean there that's another uh, uh aspect of it it's 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 not just you know alcohol harm is not just individual uh and and there's a there's social context uh, there's a culture there's a, 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 a Canadian um, profile of use that 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 you cannot change just by new recommendations. Uh, pe- alcohol has functions. People have motives to use anyway. Uh, but yeah, of course. Uh, I would say that contrary to the U.S. where this kind of enterprise was uh, very broad and there was a lot of room for people to uh, give their advice, experts from across the world, this is weird that it's just the CCSA uh, doing this all alone without Health Canada being involved, uh, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh have no really room for for advice i mean the the platform uh is is almost like twitter uh in terms of pl- place for uh, <laughs> comments uh and 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 they they also al- already ad- advertised everywhere for this it's not really a consultation because it's mm-hmm. already so yeah i i, I and i know ccsa for a long time i know they may maybe don't realize themselves but they're biased uh toward you know uh, as i mentioned negative uh aspects mm-hmm. of, of uh, substances and 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 i think they don't uh but you were you were mentioning it i i mean it's it's almost leaning toward abstinence mm-hmm. um, But I mean, alcohol and risky behaviors are part of human life and it's going to stay this way. And this leaning towards uh, abstinence is on on the one hand uh, completely against harm reduction um, approach we've had in Canada since decades. And it's also very uh, stigmatizing for a large part uh, of the population that uses more than two drinks uh, per per week.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been chatting with some people and just kind of bringing it up casually and the response I always get is laughter. Um, Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) and And
2: that's exactly the first thought I had when public health officials are so disconnected and have some almost... Abstinence message in this case, it's people just laugh and discredit the whole message and they just don't listen anymore. It's, it's, it's
1: yeah, yeah it, it seems almost like it's so disconnected from reality that I would assume most consumers would just ignore it if it became the official exactly. advice of Health Canada. I mean, I made a comment on Twitter that it would be, I mean, pick a different issue in society, let's say traffic fatalities. Right? that's a serious problem you want to reduce them a lot of people get seriously injured or die in cars um, but imagine if some government funded agency came back with a report saying under no circumstances should the speed limit ever be beyond 40 kilometers an hour everyone yeah, would yeah. just say well that's ridiculous yeah. obviously we
2: we can't exactly. follow that um, exactly and, and 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 we had previous uh uh recommendations for you know 10 uh, 15 mm-hmm. per week and 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 already youth who to whom i'm i'm teaching mm-hmm. were already finding this a little bit ridicule. so imagine 2 and 6
1: yeah yeah i mean it would yeah, it just be i mean another um another example of where the warnings kind of become so grand and so large that they're ignored um, was something we've talked about in Uh, California, I believe it's Prop 65, basically anything that touches a carcinogen has a cancer warning on it. And then that means like your lawnmower has a cancer warning and your cowboy boots have a cancer warning. And it kind of numbs the consumer from the real information because exactly if, if everything is dangerous and everything is, is cast at us in that, yeah. in that light, well then we just ignore the warning altogether and just chart our own path rather exactly. than using it as kind of useful information. Um, and- in terms of, do you feel like some of the response here um, from the public health side of things has been maybe conflating the increase in consumption during the pandemic to some longer-term trend, as if Canadians are all of a sudden drinking problematically more on mass. Because no, I know, no, okay. it's, no, it's not related to that. It's really, okay. a,
2: it's really etiological uh, studies, um, but. You're right. I mean, public health in this kind of uh, of thing is really patronizing people, uh, patronizing people instead of giving full information. Mm-hmm. It's not information; it's persuasion, and persuasion is is partial uh, information, and it's it's oriented, you know. And that's really a, a problem. And everything everything is risky. Uh, we 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 have maybe also. Norms for a number of sexual relationship per week, yep. or uh, or 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 fries, or you know, it's, it's 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 we need more detailed information. What's the absolute risk? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and because when you translate these things, I mean, the two drinks per week limit is all is is something called you know you would have a hundred. Uh, on a thousand chance of reducing your life for six days, okay. yeah. So, and and for six drinks, it would be a, a one chance out of a hundred. But these numbers are are, are, are conflated. But uh, uh, to lose like two months of your
1: life—that's
2: mm-hmm. that's—we need more detailed information, not for them to choose where to set the limit. You know, yeah. Uh, to give more detailed uh, information, and I would also add we need uh, to take into account what we call the set setting and drug interaction. It's not the same for everybody.
1: Yeah, there's no...
2: You know, across age, across many things, it's very different. So
1: that was one of my critiques of the standard drink label is that there's no standard person. I mean, you and I maybe have different experiences with alcohol. I may have just eaten a full meal maybe you got little sleep and haven't eaten yet the way in which one beer impacts yeah. e- like the it varies st- so standard, differently
2: the standard drink label could help one person within their own use but it's, it's yeah right across people it's not it's not uh, the same at all
1: yeah and then of course we have the left hand right hand problem where one one level of the government is potentially telling you to significantly cut back while the other yeah, is bom- bombarding exactly. me with with yeah. with twitter ads that bacardi is on sale at the lcbo and exactly. it's like well do you do you but, want me to stop a drink yeah. less or do you want me to drink, <laughs> to drink more <laughs> yeah, i don't know
2: exactly. that was i that's what i was saying earlier and 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 that they also tend to put the responsibility on the individual only uh, without, you know, without helping and even uh, uh, harming in the other side. You know, on yeah. The other side.
1: Yeah. It's uh, I, I think I think the concern here is what I mean, there's there's in today's world, there's very little inclination for taking guidelines like this and just leaving them as guidelines. Yeah. And I think that's the concern for a lot of people. It's like some sort of guidelines come up and then in many policymakers' minds, it's like, oh, well, we ought to do something about it. We ought to act on it. How do we make these the rules or how do we
2: influence policy to get
1: people to confine into this box? And then you get into this very paternalistic nanny state scenario yeah, where exactly. you're you're lecturing adults about decisions that don't harm anybody else uh, yeah, and yeah. and then i think it's still up for debate whether or not it's harming them in any serious yeah. way depending on how much they're drinking so uh professor yeah. it's been a, a pleasure to have you on consumer choice radio uh we'll certainly have you back on the program to talk all things uh harm reduction uh moving forward
2: thank you very much it was very uh, pleasant